Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tanelli, and I'm joined by Patrick Cagongo and Mike Munzenreiter. This week, we're delving into the career of Paul Rodriguez on the occasion of his signature dunk release. But first, we're doing the do at Do Tour. Olympic hopefuls from across the world converged on Des Moines, Iowa last weekend for the Do Tour. In addition to skating, there was plenty of drama with protest runs and COVID disqualifications. Patrick, did you watch the Do Tour? No, I did not watch the Do Tour. In fact, I spent most of Sunday uh, removing the finish from a late 70s Fender Mustang bass. Uh, too long didn't read. Uh, back then, the finishes were made of kind of like a polyester, so they're very easy to remove with a heat gun and a razor blade or a spackle remover. So I spent most of the day removing the finish and then waxing the waxing the the raw wood. Uh, definitely watch the highlights though, and a couple of observations which are, I mean, we've we've spoken about them a bit. So first of all, Zion has no shoe sponsor, but man, he he wins the park final. This is an own goal for Nike. How are you going to let the dude who wins park final? I guess this is an Olympic qualifier, and they had him. Let him go. By contrast, Niger has no board sponsor, and yet I kind of feel like nobody cares. I feel like people are looking to see uh, who else is coming up in the game. This is definitely definitely so for the women's side. Um, Oski is super sick in contests. Um, strong Dylan Reader energy. Almost feels like doesn't belong, but is so, 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 so good. Um, not with the fits, but just like the way he skates. Um, Aurelien Giraud is actually super dope. I know some people think he's corny. But I don't know anything about the the protests. Like that seemed kind of murky. I know like there was some rumblings, but like uh, like Mike Templeton, like what happened? Like I, I mean, I know all the Australians were disqualified because somebody or everybody tested positive for COVID. Yeah, on the on the COVID front, to, uh, according to Slam Magazine, that's Australia's hometown skateboard magazine. Uh, hometown. <laughs> yeah, home home continent. Uh, what does it say? Two people. Two. Wasn't it our, our guy from last weekend? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. And Wooly or something? Yeah, Wooly uh, was on the team. He didn't have... Wooly Esco? No, no, Wooly's his last name. Kieran Wooly or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kieran Wooly yeah. is on the team, and he, he was disqualified uh, along with everybody else because two people and a coach um, tested positive for COVID. So no real shenanigans there except for... Um, just, I guess, being unsafe out there. Which, it's really surprising that these guys aren't just fully vaxxed up. I feel like it's not that hard to be vaxxed. Dog, that is a controversial subject in skateboarding. Never mind other professional sports. Also, I mean, I don't know what the deal with Australia is. Is the border back open? Can I mean, they could come here, but can we go there? I have no idea. I don't know if they still have that, that travel bubble. I think it's like parts of Southeast Asia, definitely with New Zealand, but I don't know. Anyway, I feel like if, if like the NBA couldn't rig it so that the uh, Toronto Raptors could do, you know, operate out of Toronto instead of Tampa, like there's no dispensation for the Australian skateboard team. Uh, I don't know. Just saying. Well, somehow they made it all the way to the U.S. and they were skating a lot in San Diego. And then, I mean, maybe that's how it happened. They're skating a lot in San Diego and the uh, vaccination rate maybe there isn't so high. So. Not wearing masks. I mean, California is doing relatively well at this point. And the nation as a whole, 50% of all Americans are, are fully vaccinated. And, you know, we could get into that. That is a whole other topic, a, a, a whole other discussion that we could have about where skateboarding sits with, uh, with you know, 
within the nexus of public health. But that's a shame. That's a lot of money down the drain. Because again, this is or was an Olympic qualifier. So you're all going to fly everybody out here. You've been training, skating nonstop, trying to navigate all this stuff around COVID for the last year, only to come to California and not even skate in the contest. Yeah. Got to be a bummer for those guys. Excuse me, not even California. Like, the contest was in Des Moines. Shout out to Des Moines. Yeah, I was oh, thinking about that. It's like you get, you finally get to do some international travel, and where are you going to go? Des Moines. Home. Isn't Slipknot from there? I don't know. It does seem, <laughs> it does seem like a Slipknot kind of place. <laughs> I mean, look, the, the, the plain states are, are nowhere nearly as culturally isolated as they were even, say, 10 or 20 years ago. So... And, and also, I mean, it's skateboarding. It's not like they're going, most skate rats are going out to see the sights. They're coming to skate the contest and maybe hang out in a hotel room and sit on Instagram and, you know, FaceTime with their buddies. I got to figure out how far Minneapolis is from Des Moines because, you know, that's very valid. Three hours and 40 minutes. I haven't been to Des Moines since the roller rink that would put ramps on the skating surface shut down some years ago. Is that the um, one that was featured in a lot of old skate videos, or this one? I think there were multiple roller rinks. I I thought about that, uh, unless you're referring to Shitheads Volume Eight, a 2001 Twin Cities video. Uh, the roller rink is featured in that video. There was mm. an IOTA skateboards demo there. But uh, I think beyond the COVID thing, does anybody know the story on these protest runs? It seemed like you know I I, I saw it kind of kind of like not explained very well on twitter you know this this happened that and there were a lot of different takes see is there a definitive thing see this is the frustrating thing about skating is that uh when it comes to anything even remotely controversial nobody knows anything nobody knows anything and it's hard to get like a skateboard press exactly there's skateboard magazines but there's no skateboard press who are going to report stories who are going to dig into controversy who are going to get sources so what ends up happening is that um, it could be something like uh, local beef, it could be somebody getting kicked off of a team, somebody getting picked up by another team, it could be something happening at a contest. You never really know what happens. And even if you are in the industry and in the know, you still don't know. And that's super frustrating for something like this because I think a lot of skaters would like to know why did this team decide to protest? Like I think about 1996, the in the 411 Europe 96 video where yeah. I think it was the Americans and maybe the Brazilian skaters boycotted the Munster Mastership because they were tired of skating the same course and because they felt like they were being mistreated by the security guards. Totally reasonable. Totally, totally reasonable. It's like people got into it. And also there were so many contests that summer that you, you skip one who really cared. Sucks for all the kids who bought tickets and waited all year to see their favorite skaters. I think that was the year that menaced their big tour of, of Europe and were gloriously received as they should have been. But yeah, the, like, that's a frustrating that's a frustrating part about skateboarding is that something as major as a contest boycott, we can't even get uh, straightforward reporting on it in real time simply because we don't have that kind of press structure. And also, I guess there's like a bit of gatekeeping. People like to keep other folks um, in the dark about controversial things that happen. I was. I, I just looked it up. Lottie's closed. Lottie's skate shop rumored to be closed. Um, they, per hours on Google, closed uh, an hour twenty minutes ago. Otherwise, I was going to call them on the podcast, do reporting, real time reporting, just to get a, just to get just to get a comment. 
just to be like, God damn it, someone pick up the phone and just call the shop instead of tweeting about it. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's go. what ends up happening. It's like it's like high school all over again. Everything is a big rumor. Yeah. Should we talk more about like the actual skating? I mean, did we watch highlights? Templeton, I I didn't watch it. Templeton, there was basketball on, dog. <laughs> there was a yeah. lot of basketball on. Yeah, I did not watch it live. I feel like with the Tampa contest, somehow either me or my wife is always sick on that weekend, and it just fits perfectly in like a lay on the couch or in bed and just like zone out watching skateboarding all day. But um, we were both fully healthy the last weekend, so we did not spend any time on the Dew Tour. Uh, yeah, caught some highlights, and damn, the skating is fucking impressive. Like these guys yeah. are good. And I just switch heel 5-0 on the giant hubba. Seems like everybody knows how to do 360 flip 50-50 in a contest run. Uto did a bunch of cool shit that you've seen him do before. Who else? I don't know. Like, it was really impressive skating. But at the same time, the, like, 10-minute finals highlight that I was watching got pretty boring. So it's just, like, not, uh, not quite what I'm looking for in skate media but damn it's impressive oh Um, hell yeah in an olympic setting i think it will make that much more sense i think that's something i I will i will look forward to watching although it's i mean it's unfortunate with covid because in a perfect world and we've spoken about this before if there was no covid and olympics was happening with uh full audience participation and you would say just get a whole bunch of skaters to say like yo we found some tickets we're gonna we're just going to do a tour of Japan, a guerrilla tour of Japan around the Olympics because the Olympics are centered around the city. So it's be centered around Tokyo. And yeah, you probably wouldn't be able to get rooms or anything like that. But there's so many other cities in Japan. There's so much else to see. Just have like uh, spend. I don't know. Of course, I have no idea who would pay for it. Japan is is can be very expensive, although it, it looks incredibly fun. Um, one thing I did notice, though, is that. The, for the women's competition, it was way more interesting because, for example, I was surprised Letitia Buffoni placed fourth and uh, Raisa Leal, who everybody remembers from the viral clip of her doing, was it a heel flip down some stairs wearing Tinkerbell wings? Well, she's growing up fast and she has a Smith grind kind of like Mike Carroll's. And I think she's going to be the truth at some point. I think she's going to be, she's going to be next level. She's going to be, she's better, she's better than some of the dudes who are out there getting sponsored, getting boxes. And also just like, I think we all love, there's something about that uh, heel flipping, heel flipping a set of stairs and Tinkerbell wings. There's something about that was so cool. People who just didn't skate at all, knew nothing about skateboarding, found it so inspiring. It was dope. Yeah, I missed missed the women's highlights and I should actually back up and go watch that because it does sound more interesting. No matter if, Nija doing like non Nija tricks is kind of startling. Templeton, you mentioned the switch heel 5 0, which was way too perfect. And um, I do say, like, if you haven't seen it, watch it and then imagine Nija doing it on a bench and how wrong that would look. Ooh, also yeah, like switch. on top of a, a Lockwood bank or something. Just, yeah, even just like the schoolyard bench on flat. Like, he could put two benches together and just do it and it wouldn't look as good as like. You know, what is probably a pretty sizable 11 stair hubba. Yeah, that switch heel frontside tail as well. Cab backside nose blunt, which is like too perfect. And he has a two on lock and is just square with it. I don't know. I think uh, Sheckler was was emceeing 
or what doing color play by play, however that breaks down for some of the skating. He's not too old, is he? Like, shouldn't he be in something like this, or he's just been injured and life has happened to him? So, so my buddy who actually kind of convinced me that this was a, a topic worth talking about because I wasn't that into it just because I hadn't watched it, and I'm kind of like, I don't know, live contests don't do it for me, probably because I've in a previous life worked a bunch of contests and had to MC them and just know that they're kind of tedious. My buddy was like, oh, this is actually the best skating that's going to happen live. And, you know, it's just incredible to see where it is. And he pointed out that I guess Sheckler, you know, was saying as I suppose he'd be the, the color guy or play by play. Shit. I'm hung up on that fact. He was saying my buddy was saying that Sheckler was like, yeah, no, I can't. I can't hang with these dudes. I'm glad I'm just on the microphone. And he had a really great line during or after Steckler, excuse me, Nyjah did the switch heel front tail or one of those moves. He just said, yeah, man, Nyjah's good. And that's like the perfect skate commentary. Because, you know, if you, I don't know what, you're, you're skating with si- Silas Baxter, Neil Templeton, and he does some shit and you're just like, Silas is good. Yeah, but Nyjah's, Nyjah's good in a way that almost feels like it's not robotic because there's a, a certain amount of transparency in his process and the way that he skates. I, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I cannot get behind that man's lifestyle nor his, um, nor some of his business decisions, one of which led to the demise of the much beloved LA Weekly. So for that, it's forever, you know, it's forever on site for Nigel Houston. But like back to the women, Sakura Yosuzumi, who skates for Ralph oh, yeah. Lauren Polo. I think I think we need to stop and appreciate the fact that first of all, Juan Park final. Second of all, Polo. Like Polo just needs to do a Polo. You know they did the collab with Palace. They need to get in the skate game. Like skaters have been supporting Polo. Think and think of how awesome their team would look. I mean Ralph Lauren already does is already doing the. I think they're doing the outfits for the opening ceremony. They definitely do it for winter and so for the Winter Olympics, Team USA always looks so fly because it's all decked out in polo like think how ill that would be like polo sport jumpsuit or track suit and you're walking out there you just flex it that, that's something to be proud of <laughs> yeah polo skate team would be sick i feel like they just they wouldn't do it right you know like the polo skate team would look a lot like the menace team in my like ideal world but exactly. i think it would yeah <laughs> the skate team kareem would look a lot like, like... number one <laughs> what was that like kareem like it was just kareem it was just kareem campbell put yeah put reem on yeah so, kareem uh the late great um keenan milton right just like it's <laughs> just like all of our favorite skaters can you imagine if like uh like there was never any four star never any, or or Matix or any skate clothing companies, if just like a big brand like Polo said, yo, we're starting a skate team, who would say no to that? Right. Yeah, I just don't think all... that I just don't think they would get it right. Not you know, in this like, day and age. I mean Back in the day you think they'd do it better than today? Uh maybe. I just feel like there was less separation of like cool and uncool hmm. back then as there is yeah. now. You know, like yeah. there there's so much separation now that there's like big time skaters that none of us have ever even heard of. Yeah. Oh, you know what this is like? This is very similar to the music industry where nowadays, especially in hip hop, you have A&R's, 
label heads, uh, folks who work in the music industry who grew up on hip hop, know everything about hip hop and only listen to hip hop. And they're the ones who are directing the careers of all of the up and coming rappers and producers. Whereas 25, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, even as hip hop was coming into the music industry, you had, it was like, you had, you know, record industry execs who had no idea what this music was, no idea how to market it. So they kind of just let people run wild. Whereas now you would get somebody who comes off as like, yo, like uh, I'm, I'm really, really into like Brooklyn drill right now. So like, this is a sound that's hot. And so it almost feels as though it's a, it's hyper curated. And then that, that person or those people's tastes color the way that the music industry um, ends up promoting, promoting, you know, promoting the game. Whereas the 1990s, it was a bunch of folks who were promoting rock records in the 60s and 70s. They knew nothing about hip hop. So they just let stuff happen. They just experimented. So same thing with skateboarding. Like now you'd have, you'd probably get somebody who was previously at Adidas or Nike or Vans or was um, at a core skate company or was an ex-pro. And so like they'd have a very fixed idea of where it would be. Whereas in the 1990s, it'd be like, we have no idea what skateboarding is. Just give, just give these kids some money and see what the hell happens. Exactly. Yeah, I'm hung up on the on the whole idea and like the uh, kind of Noah clothing parallel. I don't know. It's a rabbit hole to be sure. Oh yeah, it. it can be. You raise a good point that it can be like with Noah. It's like it's good. It's very very good. But it could. It's one of those things like it's it's a delicate balance that you know any sort of like cool clothing company that is not skateboarding that is not well no is influenced by skating but like a polo there's there's nothing about um there's nothing skateboarding about ralph Lauren polo except the fact that new york city skaters love polo to this day and it could go it could go really really poorly the palace collab was sick but i think that that was one of those rare instances in which polo let them let somebody else take the uh take the driver's seat and it actually worked yeah, they put their trust in Palace, which I think Palace has like earned a lot of trust. You know, like why wouldn't you trust Palace to do something yeah. rad? They've done lots of rad stuff. Exactly, Ex- exactly. But um, back to Dutor. Something I noticed. Um, this is uh, some free uh, digital product consulting for the folks who run the website at Mountain Dew. Uh, y'all should have a separate header for results, but there's no reason why anybody who's coming to Dutor should have to dig to look up results of contests. Um, and Dude, they that's how they have get to... their clicks, man. <sighs> See, you're, just, you're just clicking on whatever, whatever looks like a lead. Yeah, or like having to go in, if you're on the mobile site, having to go in the hamburger menu. I'm sorry, it's annoying. It just, I, I just don't like it. Well, especially if it's Olympic adjacent. Like, the results are the reason for the season with that. So you should get it right. Yeah, like, don't make people have to dig. And I know that there are definitely skaters now who... Are much more comfortable about energy drinks, sodas, and sports drinks being entrenched in skateboarding simply because hey, they pay well. But at some point, is there ever going to come a point where people will decide that uh, no, nah, they're not messing with it? They they are no longer interested in having an energy drink or a soda sponsor. I I think they throw around big numbers that are really hard to say no to. Yeah. How big are we talking here? How much, how much are people getting to wear a Red Bull or Mountain Dew hat or grip tape? I, I have no idea, and this is like a whole thing that I have, is like about how money in skateboarding is so opaque. I've even started a uh, spreadsheet with everything I know about money in skateboarding. So uh, if anybody knows anything about money in skateboarding, send it my way. 
and I'll add it to my little list, especially if it's public information, because I'd like to make this kind of stuff public so other people can have an understanding of what, what people make. But anyway, What's, I think well, Red Bull and Monster and whatever, they pay like fuck you money, like life-changing so, money. So it's, it's got to be really hard to say no. I know from the, from writing, they paid double what everybody else paid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but then it can be uh, it can be grand opening, grand closing, right? They can decide at any point because these are very niche programs. They can say, "Oh, we're just pulling all the money from from skateboarding." Good luck, y'all. Yeah, get it while you can, you know. Yeah, I, I, so the rumor. This is one data point, and it's out of date. But the the word was that. Um, wherever Greg Lutzka lived in Orange County in 2016, you know, they monster, I think it was, would have been the sponsor, you know, house was paid for, for him, you know, a nice little McMansion with, you know, a shitload of monster cases in the, in the garage in the three car garage, you know, it is that type of money. And it is that type of, I think let's uh, use some corpo speaking, just say incentives, like, they bought them a house or, you know, they do X, they do Y, they do Z. And, uh, you know, I think it's, they're just so flush with cash that it's just a different, it's a different realm of sponsorship, you know, even above and beyond the, uh, well, especially the, the Nike or Adidas right now that are both cutting back as, as we've already touched on. I still think it's kind of like a well of cash that people can dip into. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, you said they, they, they can start it or stop it, but it, it has been a consistent thing, you know? I think their marketing budgets are just so fucking huge that it's not a thing. So Selling all that soda. I mean, there, there are some skaters who said that they are not interested in, the, they have said, I think it was Kalis was talking about whether or not he would allow his daughter to have any of those energy drinks. And so that's what led him to the conclusion that he didn't necessarily want to have one of those sponsors. But, you know, Kalis has always been doing his own thing and has always, you know, been like straight up like good with money, but not a lot of skaters are. And, you know, thinking about these contests, especially going back to the eighties, even when you had Vert at its absolute peak in the late eighties, right before the, the crash in the early nineties, you'd be getting this ridiculous money from these Pepsi and Coca-Cola sponsored tours and contests. And, you know, you had Hosoi, Hawk, you know, you had folks who were living like rock stars and they were getting this big soda money, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And they're getting flown all over the world. I mean, there's that Bones Brigade where they get to hang out with George Harrison, you know? Yeah. I mean, Hosoi like lived in Jose Canseco's old house or some shit like that. <laughs> I might have that the athlete wrong, but he lived in like a famous person's Hollywood mansion. So oh, that's, it was that's somebody some serious else, was money. Was it Charlie Chaplin's? I don't know. I, for some reason, I think Jose Canseco, but that might be Shane O'Neill. <laughs> I mean, I think an awesome podcast would be Hosoi and Jose Canseco. <laughs> it would be, <laughs> you know, you have a, <laughs> you know, Hosoi who is um, living a, not only a, a clean Christian life and Jose Canseco who's basically out here like snitching on everybody. I mean, it, it would, it, it, it could only lead to greatness. It would be a movie, as the kids say. It's going to be a whole movie, dog. Fuck with the vision. <laughs> I, uh, I sold Christian Hasoy Dodo, not Dodos, Jesus, how old am I? That old. I sold him Bones, Bones Bushings one time when he was promoting his, uh, what was the name of that movie? There was the Christian Hasoy documentary in like 2008. 
Oh yeah, I remember that. I watched it at the Third Layer Skate Park. Hmm. No, it must have been. I didn't work at Third Layer in two thousand eight, so it must have been two thousand six. I mean, we're coming up on it. I mean, this is Memorial Day weekend. We're we're right on the cusp of it, and assuming it's happening, you know, it's all very touch and go. The Olympics is going to go down. I mean, there's been so much hand wringing about skateboarding entering the Olympics, and yet you've had these big, ridiculous contests for decades. It is part of skating's DNA. Why do you think that there's such? Why do you all think that there's such a hesitation about skating going into the Olympics? I mean, like. Curling is tight. No, who in curling is mad about curling being the Olympics? I mean, I think it's just okay. Let's do the straw poll on the podcast. You guys care that much? No. I mean, I'll watch it. I honestly, I'd rather be watching a track and field, b soccer, um, maybe some Olympic basketball. Let, let me refine the question: Is it like that much of an existential? You as skater, Patrick Gongo. Man, hell no! On fire, yeah, no. I, I, I'm in the same boat, and I don't know if it's just that, like, you know, we're comfortable with it. We, we know that skateboarding is uh, much greater than us in our, in our changing taste. Yeah, I, 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 I find the. I'm a big believer in it that like the bigger movements that come from outside skating can't really change skating. Though I'm a little maybe open to reexamining that. But I know that it can't like change the way I skate with my friends necessarily. Uh, I, I, so that's, that's why I'm comfortable with with this. If if we're talking about something creating an existential or a major cultural shift on skating, I'd say that was the X Games in the 1990s, especially when skating was very very much in its alternative culture phase. It right. was def it was definitively not mainstream. You know, you had Gleaming the Cube, you had Police Academy Four, you had all this stuff in the 1980s, skateboarding was, it almost felt like skateboarding was something that was stuck in the 80s, and that's what people remembered it as. So street skating, especially street skating culture and the dress and the music, everything like that, to see, to see like the X Games, MTV, uh, Sports and Music Festival, I think that was, those were the growing pains. If anything, the skateboarding coming to the Olympics is showing that skateboarding is indeed worldwide. It's, it, it is something that's bigger than Southern California. It's bigger than just like a bunch of uh, rebellious teens hanging out skating a curb. It is something that can be found all over the world. And skateboarding continues to globalize and, and diversify. It's been happening. And I'd like to think that because of the gravitas of the Olympics... And the fact that skating is bigger than some stuff that is in the Olympics. No disrespect to curling, but I know a lot more people who skate than people who do curling. And curling is chilling in the Winter Olympics. Same thing with, with pole vaulting. But skating is in the Olympics. That's kind of tight. Like it, It's kind of like, hey, like you can still go out and get ticketed for skateboarding, but there's skateboarding in the Olympics. What a concept. I, I love it as kind of affirmation in a way uh, you, you touched on it patrick it's not just the southern california thing it's it's that tony soprano meme of don't give me any of that california bullshit i paraphrase but like you know it it is a further removal of the pastime from california as a state i i think i'm actually going to exempt the city of san francisco but yeah, I think it's great affirmation that like this shit is cool. And if you look at it that way, what what more could you want in a way? Because we think this shit is cool. And now everybody gets to know about it. 
I guess I'm still, a maximalist. Yeah. What, what but were we, you saying? And this is to Templeton's point. We still don't know how much money anybody makes. Yeah, it's kind of infuriating. One other thing that you brought up, Patrick, that I thought was super interesting was how like perceptions of the of skateboarding, you know, probably definitely early 90s, probably middle 90s. What you get to the late 90s, couple X Games, or ex- excuse me, Extreme Games, and then X Games under your belt, MTV Sport and Music Festival. It's like if you think about what skateboarding actually was, I think of that. Uh, maybe it's in the FTC book, but it's like basically you know 90s san francisco new york circuit mount rushmore of skating but it's like drake jones mike carroll keith huffnagel all the dudes standing on top of a hill in san francisco it's interesting to think that people were like yeah christian has soy it's 1995 and then that was what it actually was like pretty dope shit yeah absolutely and and to skateboarding's credit skate skate culture and skateboarders have grown. Um, we especially saw that last summer with skaters leading protests uh, against racial injustice. And that was huge. Um, and not skate companies, not skate shops. It was rank and file regular skaters who were really pushing the conversation forward. They were the ones who leaned on companies that like, so y'all going to do something or what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I think it's it shown that like in a lot of ways, skating has really grown up in other ways, though the opacity of the industry um, has made it so that we can't have frank conversations about controversy. We can't have frank, con- uh, we can't have uh, frank discussions or investigations into some very serious allegations against guys like Niger Houston, for example. We can neither, you know, you know, stuff is, it's still, like I said, it, it's like it's permanently high school. You know, the skating is firmly planted in the 21st century, and yet we've still got some 1960s, 1970s bullshit that's keeping keeping the industry back. Not necessarily the culture, but the industry. I think it's going to be really interesting when we get real journalists looking at skateboarding in the, like, the oh, run-up yeah. to the Olympics or like, you know, as the Olympics happen and skateboarders make a name for themselves you know some people outside of skateboarding are going to start digging and they're going to find some skeletons and some closets and i think that's going to be pretty interesting to see and it'll be interesting to see you know how the industry reacts to that yeah but also it will be interesting to see some serious journalists actually sit down with somebody like imagine bryant gumbel kareem campbell he'd have he'd need a, a good team of researchers Kareem, tell me more about the ghetto bird. Paint the picture for me. First time you did it. We we would need a team that would say, ask about the pager check. <laughs> well, what was going through your I... mind on, on when you were on Vermont and Fountain checking your pager? Fortunately, you know, the skaters continue to infiltrate just every level of society, so it might happen. Yeah, we've we've got some some good folks, you know, at the Times and other reputable publications so i think we will get some good some good media out of it that's what i'm most looking forward to with the olympics True. the ultimate though is we need a rant from stephen a smith mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know about who i don't know who could get that man fired up about skateboarding but we need somebody to get him as hyped about skating as he is about the knicks shout out to the knicks yeah stephen a doesn't give a shit about skateboarding and never will but that would be amazing because it is NBA playoff time. I tuned into, you know, like Daylight Sports Center, and holy shit, that dude is amazing. 
you got to remind yourself sometimes. Yeah. Oh man, you know he's that. You know, a, a great meeting of minds would be. If, God bless him if he was only if only he was still alive. Phelps, Phelps, and Stephen A. Smith. My facial expression just changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so for for the uninitiated um, like myself, who's Stephen A. Smith, Patrick? That's Mike, a, you want to take this that's one? That's a good question, man. <laughs> He is um, an ESPN commentator known for animated agitation about sports. And, I mean, he's like, you know, what? The uh, Spinal Tap amp went to 11. He goes to about 14, and, he, and it's sustained. He, he's he's got to be heard, but he's actually got to be seen to believe. Exactly. Like, like I said, I know of him, but watching about you know, eight minutes of Sports Center before one of the Knicks games. It's just like this dude is real. Holy shit! He's real. brilliantly put. He is the sort of person that you would find in a sports bar. That you would find him absolutely infuriating, and yet everything he says is true. His ability to have hyper focused, ten fifteen minute long rages, not just rants, full on raging on cable television every day he routinely goes viral he loves the knicks um we talked about him a little bit last week because he for many many years used to call out kwame brown as a bust out because his the dude's career didn't go the way that people thought it was supposed to and they've been having a kind of like uh initially kwame brown uh went on to social media and was complaining about sports journalists complaining about other athletes, people bringing up his name, and Stephen A. Smith apparently today finally reacted, like went in on him. And also, like, Stephen A. Smith has a, a great ability to, um, you know, he, 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 his ability to, his ability to describe his frustration and the way that his voice ebbs and flows, like his tone, absolutely incredible. But like I said, him and Phelps, that would be a, it would be a legendary, it would have been a legendary conversation. Yeah, it's too bad we don't get Phelps in the Olympic Village. Oh, oh yeah. Thrash it. Oh, can you imagine Hell Ride at the Olympic Village? <laughs> Thrashy oh, just sends God. like the wildest of the wild to, to Tokyo and says, Go crazy, it's the Olympics. <laughs> Thrasher, wait, Thrasher, I, I know that <laughs> we've got other things to talk about, but Thrasher, a big brother at the 2021 Olympics. <laughs> Oh man, Big Brother would would certainly um, make, <laughs> make waves, and that'd be pretty Who, interesting. Who's getting deported first? <laughs> yeah, fools would get thrown out. There, there's not a question about that. They just, <laughs> just be banned quickly. <laughs> They're just like, nope, not happening. Not today. Sorry, guys. That almost sounded like an audio cut to go to the next thing. Yeah, I think it was. <clears throat> At 36, P. Rod still got it. He dropped a quick two-minute video part with Primitive to promote his new dunk with Nike SB. Mike, it begs the question, what the P-Rod? What is the P-Rod? What the P-Rod? I, I puzzled over how to properly answer that question. I think I need, I think I do need the, the verb in there. So what is the P-Rod? Um, thinking about him, he might be one of the more interesting skaters and at a very interesting point in his career because... The video part was great, but Primitive also put out a, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it now. I sent you guys the link, but it was the kind of the, what the process with P-Rod of filming that video part. 
And I say he's at a really interesting point in his life because at 36, he's kind of veritably old for skateboarding, verifiably old, but like not that old. And the skating was good. And yet I have so many questions for him about skating to Mariano's song when he was a kid. And then Nike marketing him as Skateboard Jordan. And it just kind of like never sticking. That said, he seems like he's in kind of a cool place in terms of like his body works again. He's got a shoe. I mean, he's doing I, I, I know some would find this controversial. I think he's doing cool shit. I actually like primitive as far as like how clean it is as a brand and how like well run it is and how above skateboarding it is. I what the P rod. I, I, I think the state of the P rod is good. The state of the P-Rod is good. Uh, what say you, Patrick? Well, he does have a kid, right? At least one, sure. Okay. I think, okay, so I think um, fatherhood has probably tempered some of, his, um, some of his wilder tendencies. And that's not always true for sponsored pro skaters. Some people continue to wild out. You know, he's also uh, a man of faith. He's a devoutly Christian man, which... I know that there's somebody on skate Twitter who wrote, actually wrote a treatise, who wrote a book about religion in professional skateboarding and how something as something as seemingly rebellious in skating, that there's like a sizable contingent of skaters who are uh, devoutly religious, more specifically devoutly religious Christians. And I think that that ties, uh, that ties to the California thing. Um, there is a very, very strong history of um, evangelicalism on the West Coast, but it's also something that's kind of couched in like hyper individualism. So uh, people aren't necessarily proselytizing to you, but like it's a very, very big part of their personality and a very big part of their life. I mean, a lot of mega churches out here. Um, and also like P-Rod has had a steadying hand in his, you know, his dad's in his life and, uh, you know, P-Rod senior and, you know, junior is acting. He was in the Selena TV series. He's had a couple of other roles. He's in um, the Mikey, Al Mikey Alfred movie, North Hollywood. He's, it seems as though he's he's mature. That's what it is. He's always been mature. I think that there were some very high and maybe even straight up unreasonable expectations on him. For example, for him to be Mariano, and was Mariano guy was guy Mariano even going to say anything when uh, that City Stars part came out and he was going to I want you back? Like guy was chilling at that time. He was not really he was not really in the mix in terms of the skate game when that video finally dropped and. I think the other thing about P-Rod is that he he carved his own path. He, he's been successful. He's a great contest skater, great video skater, cool company owner. He, he's fig he has figured it out for him. And it wouldn't, and I think a lot of his contemporaries, like the Jeremy Rogers, like a lot of the, the young bucks who were wilding out, killing it in contests and were very, very good videos, some of them have had very erratic or weird runs through the skateboard industry and haven't been as lucky and haven't been as fortunate. So in the in if you you know looking back on it, he's actually done exceptionally well because he could have flamed out very, 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 very easily. Especially you look at some of the cats who came up with him in uh, that City Stars video. Yeah, I think Pirod's always had a good head on his shoulders. I wonder if being uh, the son of a celebrity kind of prepared him for stardom you know and like made it so when the limelight hit him he didn't go crazy i do want to call out that book you were talking about it's skateboarding and religion by paul o'connor uh, it's a very good book everybody should check it out if that's a subject that you're interested in 
Because, like, that's a thing. Like, think about it. Like, the firm, if I remember correctly, all of them are, or excuse me, were, when they were on the team, were all devout Christians. And that's something super, super unique. You figure that that's, especially, like, you, you look at, say, like, the infamous, um, the Nottis, uh Satan Burning Babies board, or Steve Olson kick-flipping a stack of burning Bibles on the cover of Big Brother. What a contrast to have that at the same time as very, very devout Christians in skateboarding. Yeah. Just nodding. Yeah, sorry, that's not the good, that's not the podcast reaction we want. Um, still speechless, sorry. <laughs> All good. Um, <laughs> back, back to P-Rod uh, and his skating. Yeah, still impressive. I mean, kickflip, backside, tailside, heel flip out. Like, you know. Switch flip. Oh, that was switch? Holy yeah. shit. That was heel flip to switch heel to regular, right? Or to straight. Back to switch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he did some shit. <laughs> I, one of the interesting things to me is how much, you know, he, he's 36, and I guess I'm three years older than him, so it's hard for me to say he's that old. But he's actually old, relatively speaking. I think he got like a Bobby Warrist who's the same age, and that dude is probably able to skate a lot more than Paul Rodriguez, and thus, you know is going to look better consistently, more consistently. That's not to say Paul Rodriguez didn't look good. All I'm saying is that, you know, the dude's been hurt and he was skating like you used to skate in a lot of ways, which was funny to me, like five stair, flat flat ground, and then like 11 stair banger, you know? It, it was really interesting to see him just do it that way. It seemed like the way he likes to skate and uh going back to that kind of procedure video or whatever it was called like it's a struggle for him he was bailing stuff and that's not the way that i that i picture it going down i guess and uh it looked like it was harder than i think he wanted it to be but he got a lot of satisfaction out of it too see but here's the thing that's weird why was it all california schoolyards oh i think he's just keeping it close to home you know that that's his territory you know it, it felt to me like classic p-rod that felt more real than if you saw p-rod doing a line in new york city or something but i want to see a p-rod skating in new york city like that's the thing that's kind of infuriating about that generation that skated the schoolyards so much is that and and maybe it's because i live out here and yeah like i am i am starting to i'm starting to get frustrated by like i'm starting to get frustrated when i see those parts come out because there's so much else to skate in Southern California and the schoolyards are great because they're there. But more often than not, especially like if you're someone who's gotten hurt too, um, because I fell uh, about two months ago and uh, I was doing a slappy and I ended up uh, kind of hyperextending my hip, something like that. And then I, I hurt that same hip hopping a fence. It's like, it's not worth it. Go skate some street. Like it, it's not, I feel like it's not worth it to go be hopping fences. I don't know, man. Those schoolyards are pretty like, it's like a skate park. You can get away with it, but it's a skate park. You know, it's like a skate park, that level of ease to skate, but it's legit street. Yeah, I got no beef. I got no beef with it. I liked seeing P-Rod and his element. You know, it looked natural. I, I, I would disagree on the New York stuff. Granted, he's definitely got footage there, but uh, yeah, something between the the pandemic, I mean, it was kind of a retrospective shoe, if we want to get into the marketing aspect of it. It all worked, in my mind. The shoe's not that hot either. That's the other thing. I was holding my tongue. 
Oh, what are you holding your tongue? What, what is they? Are they going to get mad? I mean, Nike produces so many shoes, many of which are Still very trying dope. To get the platinum seagull dunk going. <laughs> dog. I, I mean, after the whole reseller gate, man, they ain't sending nobody no boxes. Zion out here winning contests, and he's not even on the Nike team. Come on, son. I think my favorite thing is like anytime on the explore page on Instagram. This is not my favorite thing, but that's just how you frame things. You you love it when you can tell like, oh, that kid knows the rep. He's wearing dunks or no, I don't know. There's a, actually, I'll say this. I'm kind of dismissive of skating in dunks right now because it's all just like a status thing. There's right. It seems other like good shoes on Nike. It seems like they flow like one, one shop kid per shop, the like hype dunk release to go film in uh, as like a little, so the shop can do like a little ad for the dunk, which I think that's, that's pretty cool. True, true. But it's just, it's, it's frustrating because sometimes you can't just find like a set of blazers in a decent colorway that you like. Um, and Nike has put so much emphasis on limited releases and drops. And I'm sorry, nobody has the time for that. I mean, it, we are coming into, at least for a lot of people, at least in the United States, are coming into post-pandemic summer. Like, nobody wants to be chilling on their phone waiting for shoes to come out. Nobody wants to be waiting in line for shoes we're trying to be out there in the world doing stuff. And this whole, like, uh, having to adhere to uh, a very strict protocol for getting a set of shoes, just no. And it's kind of weird, too. Like, P-Rod has been on Nike for, like, what, what was, uh, was he ever on, uh, was he on S or was he on Makai? Yeah, he was S. on S, never on Makai. I mean, and also, like, this, this just goes back to my, my frustration with Soltech. Like, how y'all have, like, one of the the most stacked teams ever and let that joint fall apart. I think it comes down to money. The, the thing that I heard at the time, uh, I think that happened when I was living out in Southern California and I heard it was a five-year deal, a five-year deal for a million bucks. But didn't, didn't Soltech go and spend Boku dollars on having that super energy efficient uh, headquarters? Yeah, uh, I said it. I, I think those, those are different kind of line items, you know? Right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, they, they had such an amazing team. I mean, all the Soltech companies, there's no reason that they should have, like, you can under, okay, there's usually going to be, like, what, anywhere from 4 to 8% attrition or churn in any company. And in places where it's exceptionally high, it'll be something like 10 to 20% turnover, like, regular turnover. People come and people go. But to lose the overwhelming majority of your team to other companies across your verticals, come on, son. I, I think it's just like in skateboarding, like nothing gold can stay. It's there's constant churn and everything's always like changing in value. I see what you America did there. Made a whole video about that. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. But like back to P Rod, he's you know he's a he's a he's you know what he's a he's a child prodigy who made it out alive. He's kind of like Alex Winter from Bill and Ted. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, he, he's a child prodigy who came out okay. Yeah, because a lot of a, a lot of even the folks who are doing fine now had their kind of wilderness period. Something happened to them, and and you know that's something I think skateboarding is going to have to reckon with at some point. I mean, look at Epically Later, and how many episodes are devoted to the same storyline? You know, kids who got sponsored relatively young, thrust into the spotlight, became successful, happened to be very good, and then you know your twenties hit, and for most of us. You know, for most of us now, especially, your 20s are a time of ex 
exploration and experimentation and 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 sometimes like quite honestly fucking up or the world fucking up around you especially those of us who survived the recession back in 2008 geriatric millennials man geriatric millennials yeah but i mean for somebody like p-rod to be able to basically maintain a very very he has done what he wanted and continue to exceed expectations primitive really really worked uh, was it wasn't there something about Diego Nehera was talking about trying to get back on Primitive or he misses being like, because he decided to leave to go to April? I didn't hear anything Maybe. about that, but yeah, I would imagine that you don't get cared for quite as well on April as you did at Primitive. Yeah, and also, uh, who's this? Was it Heath Brinkley, who's um, one of the other head honchos at Primitive? Mm-hmm. See, that's the other thing. They, you see that, okay, cool. I, I, I appreciate, I can respect that P-Rod has a, a, a sage business team around him who are really thinking about the, the long view and are pretty serious about their work in the game. That's something I have a lot of respect for. And he's, a, he's like a nice dude. He's actually like a very, very nice dude. I met him once at some, some uh, it was like a, a Tiba Jefferson uh, photo exhibition a couple of years back. Yeah, you're right. I think it probably might have something to do with the fact that, you know, his father being an actor and comedian probably prepared him for like, yo, let me get a selfie and the fame did not, uh, the fame, it definitely gassed him up. I don't, I don't think you can be a human being and not get a little gassed up by celebrity. But it, it seems like he's, he's been able to manage. And his father actually, in the most recent issue of Thrasher, Pirod's, you know, they asked him, what's the best advice your, your pops ever gave you? And he said, yes, no, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep. That's a knowledge dart right no. there. It, it, it's not quite an and yet pivot. But I'll use it anyways. It's like, and yet, could he have been bigger? You know, should he have stuck with girl? You know, the track record, the way things played out says otherwise. But, you know, build as the the next Mariano. Build as Jordan, the way that Nike tried to build him as, as his own line. And I mean, that shoe that the video part was promoting like references a lot of those shoes and i mean it's not like they have a lot of cachet in skateboarding culture it's weird that he's done super well obviously and yet people set him up for more but i think it worked out all right and maybe i think his personality is suited for the it worked out all right scenario Mm. picking up what i'm putting down no, you, you're using uh, some, 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 key, some key terms from my last therapist, setting <laughs> boundaries and having reasonable expectations and also being flexible. Yeah. That's what's really key because I'm sure that professional skateboarding, especially amongst ex-professional skateboarders, there are plenty of people who are revisiting the highlight reel of their life and constantly thinking, what if? And I think Payrod is based off of his actions and his behavior does not seem like one of those people and you can definitely see those like instagram is actually is wildly destructive because of this because instagram is definitely where you can see some of these people who are uh reliving those those glory days and just like the bruce springsteen song you know kind of staring down at the bottom of a glass and just being like damn i shoulda i think p-rod played his cards right with every hand he's been dealt you know, he, he's and not the next Jordan. He's not the next guy, Mariano. He's P-Rod. And that's, you know, that's something special. And I mean, he, you know, he started with a good hand. I don't think that we should discount that. For sure. 
totally. or use it against him. You know, it, it, it is just what it is. And, you know, it could have been a lot worse because of the hand he started out with. Dog, you know? look at some of his teammates. Look at some oh, of the people I mean, who have ridden for his, you know, who've ridden for primitive. Like, skateboarding is one of those, like, it, it can be grand opening, grand closing. Like, sh- shit can go left for you as a professional skateboarder, as a professional skater, real fast. And, like, the fact that P-Rod has been able to maintain at this level and seemingly be content with himself uh, is very, very reassuring. But... You know, to the point of like a lot of his contemporaries, his you know, if we want to say, look at it, skateboarding kind of like a class, like some of his classmates. What was it about some of the other people who were around him that they were wiling out? Like they spent all their money, like they blew it all on drugs and cars and partying, and you know, now you're in your mid thirties and angry at the world because shit didn't work out for you, <laughs> and you don't have any of that good stuff left. Well, I mean, he was original to the Plan B reboot, and you know, I think I think it's fair to look at that in hindsight and say that was a disaster. Like, how many Plan B reboot guys actually ended up staying on there? And just you know, what Plan B nowadays is that a C level brand? Uh, they, 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 a lot of kids still ride Plan B boards out here. And also, um, to Danny and Colin's credit, I mean, Plan B's lineup changed continuously, even back in the day. You know, they rebuilt from that exodus in 93 and came back even stronger with secondhand smoke with that lineup, which I'd argue is almost better than questionable. But that might be holy cow. That might be too hot of a take. We, you know, that might be (laughs) Jason's not here. So (laughs) I'll I'll say this. It seems like P-Rod didn't last that long on plan B and maybe said like, this ain't it. No. And he struck out on his own and. I don't know, you know, we're from the skate Twitter bubble. It seems like nobody really likes primitive. I think it's a perfectly fine brand that I'm not motivated to buy stuff from, but they got some of the best skaters on there. You know, it's nobody's kooking it. I I think it's just, it's clean. I, I, I think, I think P rod success and the story of him, maybe if I'm trying to sum it up for myself, it's like, He's just doing it well. Well, yeah, absolutely. He's 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 actually successful, and more importantly, the thing is, success is a nebulous thing. Everybody has to have their own definition of success, and he has a definition of success that we can we can vibe with. And primitive kids are buying primitive boards. They like primitive, and like they they have found their lane. That's the other thing. He found his lane, and that's really really admirable. And he has uh, he, he like. I wish that I wish that there was a way to standardize the way that he has moved through the industry, but skateboarding is inherently chaotic, and there's no way that there's no way that people are going to start uh, doing the right thing from day one and thinking about their future. There's there's always going to be, be people who pile out. There's always going to be people who you know torpedo their career for whatever reason, as we have seen. For sure. Well, I'm sure P Rod is pretty stoked on how everything's worked out for him. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on a lot of things. Uh, first of all, shout out to Spitfire Wheels and Venture Trucks. Big shout out to Jim T and the folks over at Deluxe. Uh, my mom's birthday is next week. I also want to give a shout out to all of our essential workers like her. She's retired now, but um, 
pandemic's not over and a lot of these folks need some extra love so please say thank you um i'm stoked on uh my taste teen hoots mix for jenkum which is actually good i was listening to it yesterday during the workday and um i'm also stoked on the good push alliances uh commitment for anti-racism in skateboarding i am really hyped at all the people who signed on to it um i did a little thing i chatted with the folks from high snobiety about um editing some of the copy on the actual uh statement itself and i'm really hyped to see some of the energy from last summer's anti-racism protests continue to build and grow within skateboarding and i think it's dope i mean what's the nba doing right now mike what are you stoked on i'm stoked on your involvement in uh, the good push initiative right there unbeknownst to me until just when you said it otherwise my my expected stoked on is saint paul saints triple a baseball should fact check myself to make sure they're triple a but um in a world that's opening back up, I ended up with some friends, friends who have kids, friends who had a babysitter last weekend, and uh, without prior knowledge that I was going to the baseball game, I ended up at a baseball game on a very pleasant summer night in St. Paul, Minnesota, and um, all I have to say is go get your vaccine and go live in the world again, because it's both the responsible and fun thing to do. Yeah, shout out to that. And do shout it. out to socialized medicine, basically. That joint is free. It's free. Yeah. This might be all you can get, you skaters. <laughs> this might be it, guys. Templeton. <laughs> Templeton Elliot, what are you stoked on? I'm stoked on getting my vaccine this week. I got my second dose on Tuesday. And, um, Hell yeah, sorry, good. I was taking it as a fait accompli that, like, you know, wait times and all that had worked out for all this. Hell yeah. Yeah, stoked. Also stoked on finding a new mountain bike trail. My relationship to mountain biking is a little weird in that it basically, I can only devote, like, under two hours to it. So it's got to be close, it's got to be easy, and I found a new trail near my house, so I'm stoked on that excuse me i'm sorry why why only two hours uh just because if i have more time than that i'm gonna go skating good it just is it's like a lower tier activity you filmed that clip yet <laughs> what clip aren't you supposed to ollie over the um the dumpster i gotta i gotta do more mountain biking to get my legs up all so right get over this dumpster july 4th deadline <laughs> fuck that <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe by the end of the summer i'll have the legs to do it but it's, it's still on my mind. You've now, you've now claimed it twice, if not more. <laughs> I know, it, it, it's like a hole. I, I still think it's doable. I think it's doable. I know you got it. I'm just saying. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the confidence. Uh, Purest street skater on the podcast. Yep, Cast definitely. Four. Probably the best. <laughs> no, Mike's the best skater on the podcast. Okay, please. Let's move on. <laughs> but thank you clearly mike agrees uh that's it for our show this week be sure to check out mostly skateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes until next time you can keep up with us all week online mike where can the people find you i'm doing twitter and uh, not much instagram but you can find me with the same handle on both at m munzenrider patrick what are your handles all right you can find me 
on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks, and you can find me on Instagram and on Clubhouse at Pikigongo. We probably should do a Clubhouse thing before people decide that they're just going to go out and live their lives. I think yeah. Clubhouse is going to have to come to us and, and like you know put up oh. some money to have our audience go over there. Yeah, no beer bongs on Clubhouse though. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Templeton, <laughs> where are you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Go get your vaccines, y'all. Let's do it.